When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. This is your host, Rachel Jamison. Today I have with me Parker and Lauren Holmes. Hello, Parker and Lauren. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you guys today? Good. How are you? Good. So I was going to, in that introduction, I was going to say the name of your homestead, but I wasn't sure exactly how you wanted um, to introduce that. So why don't you give me a little bit of an introduction to yourself and then the name of your homestead and your and or your businesses that you have going on? Okay. I, um, well, I'm Parker here with my wife, Lauren, and um, our I guess our homestead or our, our business name technically, I guess, is Homestead Pro- Provisions um, spelled like our last name. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people are like, what's Homestead Provisions? And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. And they kind of put two and two together. So um, that's, yeah. Do you have anything yeah. to add to that? Uh, well, the business portion is we're a farm and a sawmill. So we raise animals and um, sell them by the cut directly to consumers. And we also have a portable sawmill that we offer services and lumber and all that. So that kind of all falls under homestead provisions. (laughs) So very cool. So you guys are in central Michigan. Yeah. Basically kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that are interested in looking you up and having your services, they're in central Michigan. Um, what got you guys into homesteading? Did you guys grow up doing this? Um, was it a dream you had your whole life? Well, I grew up just outside of Minneapolis in the suburbs. So this has been started for me really when I married him. <laughs> but um, we kind of came to it together, I guess. So it's totally new for me. But Parker, you want to share? Um, yeah. So I, I grew up in the Cadillac area, um, kind of close, close to where we are now. And I don't know, dad always grew a big garden every year. And I don't know, back in the day, I remember mom canning a few things. Um, we weren't really, I guess, like all out homesteading, like into all the homesteady stuff. Um, but just, just enough to, uh, provide a little extra food and stuff like that for the family, uh, when I was growing up. Um, so I just kind of learned a few things from mom and dad. Um, uh, yeah, I guess to answer the question of how we came to it, um, oh, yeah. was, um, how many years ago, six years ago, six, seven years ago, maybe we had some, a close friend and a family member. Um, 
get sick with autoimmune diseases and they started um, turning from, instead of using medication, they turned to diet and they had a lot of success um, just with whole foods. And so that kind of got us into thinking about what we're putting in our bodies um, and where our food comes from, which kind of started us down the whole rabbit hole of. Yeah, that actually got me. I was yeah, I think you're talking about the guy I was working with at yeah. the time. Yeah. A coworker of mine, he had some autoimmune issues. And one day at lunch at work, I was like, what are you eating? And he, you know, because it just looked strange to the person who only knew the the typical American diet. Sad American, you know, standard American <laughs> diet. Yeah. Um, and and I was just intrigued. I was like, what is this dish? And I just had to know. And I, I tried some and and he told me all about what he's doing and everything. I was like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, I don't think I have any problems, but I kind of want to eat like this anyway. Yeah. So I started down that whole thing. And and then I was, uh, I think part of it was I was listening to a podcast. I was just like, I had podcasts on like random or something on my phone. I don't know what happened, but um, I was at work and this this podcast came up about no-till agriculture and all that stuff and i just happened to be tilling at the time too i was running a track. <laughs> like wow. so so listening to that it was like convicting i was like i need to shut this tractor off what's going on so um that tied together with the food thing um brought us to this i guess where we are and and some of that was um finding out about polyface farm and joel salatin and all that and that's uh we can credit a lot of what we do now to learning from those ways yeah and you were at the time it was a transition we were getting married um and we were moving to lansing michigan to for parker to go to school for farming um all while we're getting into the no-till agriculture organic regenerative agriculture stuff and that clearly did not mix with what you were learning at an msu so it was like quick we got into that realized what he was doing at msu and found our way from there what were you going to msu for oh i was going for their ag tech program okay okay which which i I I didn't really know, I guess, what I was getting into at the time. I I thought I would learn like different um, or a more diverse array of types of farming, I guess you could say. But it was it was pretty, um, pretty much spray this, spray that and kill this and kill that. So and then I got depressed pretty quick. So (laughs) it's interesting that you talked about the health perspective, because it seems to be a common thread for many of the people I know homesteading as they got into it, either because they were having health problems or for the health of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's really cool. So what did you do after you decided that you needed to change your plan from going to MSU? I mean, did you just, did you continue to go to MSU? Did you take classes elsewhere to learn a lot of what you're doing now? Cause you guys are doing some really cool stuff and you know, I mean, you've, you've taught some classes and stuff. So what got you from there to where you are now? So I continued, I, 
I kind of knew early on I that it wasn't for me. MSU wasn't for me, but I kept, I was like, well, I should probably do what I can to finish this. And it, it kind of reached a breaking point. Um, and I remember um, the application for Polyface internship. Joel Salatin's. Yeah, time. that that came came out like as as I was going back into my second year at MSU. And I was like, man, I would love to do this, but I'm kind of stuck at school. And Lauren here, <laughs> she she said, well, what the heck? Why not just apply? You don't have anything to lose. Just just do it. And I was at a point where like, OK, if I get this, I'm not going back to school. Like, this is my sign. I'm not doing it because I was I was fed up and I wasn't enjoying it anyway. Wasn't learning. I was learning what I already knew coming from that conventional farm okay. aspect. So, um, yeah, I ended up applying and ended up going to Polyface. So that's kind of that's really, really cool. So yeah. you so you ended up being an intern for Joel Salatin. Yep. I was okay. I was an apprentice. Yeah. 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 So, and what did you end up, what did you end up doing there? Uh, well, a little bit of everything. It was um, life changing. <laughs> it, it was. So, so I got to, this is a rare, rare occurrence, but, um, uh, me and the other apprentice, we got to skip the internship oh, and okay. yeah. Cause usually you got to be an intern before you can be an apprentice. And they had a weird year where they needed two apprentices and didn't have anyone. Yeah, from um, the previous year. So they picked out yeah. a couple, Parker and another girl, that were applying to be interns yep. to um, be the apprentice. So so I got to come um, in, like, I think it was February. I went down there and uh, I just started learning everything, how they did how they did everything, you know, um, from moving cattle, um, moving pigs, building infrastructure, all that stuff. And they wanted me to know as much as possible by the time that summer's interns arrived. So I could help, um, in May lead and instruct and, um, yeah, train, train, teach, teach the interns what I had learned beforehand. So, um, that was kind of my my job, I guess you could say, when I was there. So it's fair to say that that was, I mean, and you've already said that, that it was life-changing and changed the way you thought about homesteading and farming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, yeah, I just learned, learned so much. I'd, I'd say I learned a lot about leadership. Um, that turned me on to yeah, a lot well, of leadership books. It wasn't um, just, we it, learned do everything very um productive like efficiently uh, efficiently yeah learned a but lot it of wasn't efficiency. just the farming stuff it was a that lot of just really cool leadership that, that's something i never considered but that's really really helpful yes it opened our eyes to a whole new perspective on things i feel like, yeah since then yeah um okay. and it's helped us be successful in how we're raising our animals because we learned from the best who's figured it out 40 years ago, you know, like, yeah, that experience is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, how long were you there? Just, it was a total. Roughly two years. Yeah. Just under two years. Yeah. Cause we did, he did the The apprenticeship apprenticeship. and then we did some contract farming as well. Okay. So, 
And so yeah. now, now you have brought that back and you have, you have your own little place. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what kind of animals and like how much acreage you have and what you're doing at your place. All right. Um, <laughs> we have a 50 acre piece. It's 20, 20 acres, pasture, 30 acres, kind of scrubby woods. Um, it was, it was an old pine plantation that got clear cut 10, 10 or 12 years ago. And it's kind of come back in some scrub woods, but uh, good for pigs, good <laughs> for pigs. Um, so that being said, we have pigs and uh, we're raising broiler chickens. Uh, we have laying hens and sheep currently. Mm-hmm. We would love to get some cattle, but fencing thing is... We have no perimeter fencing, so yeah. okay. Right now, yeah. So our pigs are in two wire aluminum wire electric fence in the woods, and we rotate them every few days, every week, to new pad, new pasture. Um, okay. The broilers move every day. The hens are in electric Premier One electric netting. They move every few days, and the sheep also move every other day in electric net. So very cool. What kind of pigs did you guys end up deciding on? We have, so I wasn't too concerned about a specific breed. I just knew kind of, I mean, I don't want to base everything I do off from polyface, but it's kind of, (laughs) it's, it's kind of hard not to. Um, uh, but I mean, if if you're looking at pigs, yeah, yeah. From my experience, um, I just didn't want, you know, show pigs, the, the muscle, the muscly right. yeah. box looking the ones that look like a bulldog, you know, um, they just don't perform real well out on pasture in the woods. Um, they don't forage as much. So we actually went with, uh, a cross between red wattle and Berkshire. Okay. Um, but I mean, for us, I mean, it's our third Hamworth, Durock, old spot all those would be great options that i wouldn't have any problem with yeah. they'd be great third season raising this type yeah okay and you guys are um selling those as not as quarters and halves but you're selling those as by the cut yes by the cut. okay yep. Yep. yep very cool are you selling your broilers too or are those just for your own yes we're selling those as well yeah and eggs too and eggs okay Nice. And someday the lamb. Yeah, we'll be offering lamb probably uh-huh. in January. So do you guys have lamb? We do. We have oh, well, okay. we uh, we only have ten of them right now, but we're just kind of dabbling with, with our, the lamb. Our first time ever doing yeah sheep, so it's been a little bit of a learning curve. We got a dog, a livestock guardian dog, okay. so that's more of a learning curve than anything. Yep. Um, what kind of sheep did you end up choosing? Uh, we got Katahdin. Okay. The the hair sheep. So yeah, yeah. I like those. Neat. Yep. Um, I don't have to mess with any shearing or anything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so. what kind of livestock guardian dog did you guys end up with? We ended up getting a Great Pyrenees. Okay. And I believe she has just a touch of Anatolian as well. That's what I was told. So. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people combining those two. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. great. She's great dog. Awesome. You know? We've had especially for, for being just a young pup. So okay, cool. Yeah. So what um you said you have a sawmill. What does what got you into the whole sawmill? Okay. So 
Uh, my dad. So I grew up with him, um, going to work with him a lot and stuff. And he was in the logging industry. Um, he owned a logging company for 30, 35 years, something like that. And he had a sawmill as well, but it was more like a hobby for him. Um, he just like milling up logs that he would bring home from, from the woods. Um, and he'd, he'd barter with a couple, you know, woodworkers and stuff. And they'd, he'd give them some, some lumber and they'd, they'd build them some furniture, stuff like that. So I kind of grew up around that and, but I was, I was young at the time and my dad never really let me run the mill. So I didn't know how much I would have liked it. And then let's see, some things happened and he decided to sell his sawmill and I never really, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think of it again. That was, that was 10 years ago or so. And then I went to Polyface and Joel, of course, is big on his sawmill because he he turns a lot of wood, yeah. a lot of timber into usable lumber at his place. So timber, timber from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From their, their acreage. Um, so I started running his sawmill and I was like, man, this is this is a lot of fun. I, I enjoy this a lot. And Parker, rem- Parker quickly became the guy who runs the mill because he was so happy every time <laughs> milling that it became clear that yeah, it was and a he lot was of great fun. at it. But. Okay. Uh, so, so I kind of remember that kind of brought up memories of me and dad, you know, running the sawmill together and all that stuff. So I was like, ah, I need to get one just because it's, it's not only fun, it's, it's valuable. I mean, we can, there's, there's so many things that we can build with one of those, you know, right. Produce yeah. So possibilities are endless. That is really cool. And are you, so you're doing that, you're traveling with that and taking it to people's places and cutting up lumber basically. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So people will call me, um, they'll word of mouth, I guess they'll, they'll get a hold of me and say, Hey, I've got, Oh, goodness i guess the most recent one um he's got he had like 30 logs or something from his woods out back that he didn't really want to cut into firewood because it was good wood and and it's more value than than firewood so he said hey i heard you got a sawmill i said yeah and i explained to him my rate and how it works and i just he was happy and i pulled it over to his place and we set it up and rolled the logs on and away we went made some lumber he was he was pretty cool yeah. So that's, yeah, I go to people's, people's places, wherever. Yeah, I can go. So, and you also, we, oh yeah. I also purchase logs from local loggers in this area. Um, so I'm also selling lumber as well. Um, or if someone calls and says, Hey, I need 10 two by fours and 14 two by sixes. They can yeah. put in an order and Parker will mill it and I'll mill it up for them and they can come get it or I can deliver as well yeah. too for a fee. So and the cabin. Yeah. Um I recently got into milling up um cabin kits. So say somebody wants a small hunting cabin or something on their their property, their hunting property. Um I've got log cabin kits. Um timber frame cabin kits through a guy, uh, barngeek.com. He sells a bunch of plans. So 
Um, people can get in touch with him. He can design them a little cabin or a barn or whatever they're looking for, I guess. Many sizes. Yeah. Timber frame style, which is pretty neat. Um, the aesthetic is really nice. So I got in contact with him. So if there's anyone in our area, he reaches out to me. Hey, so-and-so ordered this, this kit from me. Can you mill it up? Here's the cut list, that kind of deal. So, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Those I've, I've seen, well, we saw one at Baker's go up. I haven't seen it finished, but I went to his website and some of those, they're really pretty too. I like how they look. They're not your normal barn. Right. Yeah. They look more like the old school barn to me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're framed the same way. They're just, um, they use steel joinery instead of mortise and tenon. It's right. it's a lot faster, easier to put up, really, honestly. And it's very and it, affordable. Yeah, and it's very too. affordable. Yeah, and it's really pretty. And uh, when I say barn, I don't mean like this huge, huge structure because they're they can be big, but they could also be pretty yeah. small too. Yeah, that's really cool. So, have you been doing a lot of those yet, or uh, a couple? Yep. Okay. And I'm currently milling um, a log cabin kit. Uh, well, actually, I already milled one. I'm on another one, I guess. Um, okay square logs people can just you know link and log them together um and then cut windows and doors in them that's pretty neat so so when you say a kit it's like something that somebody can just put together themselves yeah plans the plans kind of include all of that and then you mill all the lumber for it and yes that's really cool that's we actually built a house that way a whole house that way really yeah when we were in our early 20s we did amazing yeah yeah it was really cool it it is it's really nice though i mean it does really when you get the right person doing the plans it all comes Mm -hmm. it's actually not as hard as it sounds and yet it's every bit as hard as it sounds (laughs) right yeah Yeah. Yeah. but that's cool so you guys have like you guys have just started all this though i mean it i mean from talking to you it sounds like you've had all of this going on for years and years and years, but I've actually, and I haven't even known you that long, but I've actually <laughs> known you long enough to know when you, before you started this and now you're moving into all these animals and having these, um, this little homestead that you have going on. How long has it, have you guys been working on your little homestead here? We got back from Polyface May of last year yeah. of, of 22. Wow. So just over a year, I guess. A year we purchased and a the few property months. that spring before yep. we moved. Yep. Yeah, you guys have been really, really pushing we hard. With it, but we never could dig our heels in and fully do it all because we didn't own property and we were moving between ventures and everything. So in a year of fully doing it, yeah. I'm on my second garden ever and... <laughs> Have had some fails, but have had some successes too. So it's fun. Well, I've been gardening for 30 years and I had fails this year. So, you know, it just, it happens. It happens. <laughs> she, she took a picture yesterday of what she harvested in the garden. And, and I was, I was down, I was, I was picking up some building supplies and she, she sent me a picture and I looked at it and I was just like, I'm so proud. It was great. Well, I think this year I I've said this on Instagram. <laughs> but this year is like the year I fell in love with gardening because it's like 
it's been this huge unknown to me and I've been scared of it. And I hear people talk about their gardens and I'm just like, I want to do that, but I have no idea how. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Last year's garden was kind of just a wash. I, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> um, but this year, I feel like I've actually can kind of understand how things <laughs> work. And I'm, I don't know. Learning. Learning, yeah. And yeah. I'm really finding the beauty in it, failures or successes. And I have real expectations, too. I realize that's how it always will be. And I just. That's cool. I love the possibility of it all. So do you have something that you're really, um, you're really excited to grow or that you want to grow in the future? Uh, I don't think I can choose to the one. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I want to do cut flowers. I want to do popcorn, <laughs> which is just silly. Um, we would love to do, we've talked about like offering a full menu farm. If you want to explain oh, that, that would be really cool. It would be really cool to just be able to yeah. provide yeah. the cooking fat, the broth, the maple syrup. So are herb. you guys considering doing something like um, you're already offering, you know, the, the meat? Are you considering doing vegetables and maybe like other parts like a CSA type thing? That's up to Lauren. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. The gardening, how it, how it goes. My, it's hard. Like you toss all these ideas. I know I have my own ideas around in my head about um about doing, you know, the CSAs or something like that. And because Michigan has the cottage food law, which makes it tempting mm-hmm. to, you know, do some of that. And um, but it's it's another thing to actually bite off that and say that I'm actually gonna do it. So yeah. We also really want to have um like bush berry bushes and an orchard with yeah. fruit and everything. So we can so offer just, fruit, vegetables. And first and foremost, meat. for ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, it would yeah. be really cool, even for just a few families, like just a handful of, yeah. you know, yeah, my brother, families. You know? My brother and his wife just recently got into beekeeping. So Ooh, that's nice. funny that we'll be able to offer people as well. Yeah. So. And I like to make soap and tallow balms and all that stuff so it'd be cool just pile it all together why we named our our business homestead provisions provisions. yeah yeah definitely definitely labeled under so are you guys um what do you have any exciting news like in the next year that is going on that you have a hundred percent plans for or um not really. We're really fly by the seat of our. We pants. are okay. Currently, okay. currently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, so you guys were talking earlier about when you were with Joel and all the stuff that you learned from him. What are some of the things that you would implement as far as you were saying the um, the time saving things that you learned? Because I know he does a lot of what permaculture calls function stacking. I know he does a lot of that on his farm. What are some of the things that you learned there that you're going to use on your, at your place? So a lot of it comes down to really time and motion study stuff. Um, That was a lot of where the efficiencies came in, um, how to move a broiler shelter um, efficiently. Like when, when you get there, it's, it's really funny. If you've never seen one moved by one of, one of the Salatins or something, 
um, you get there and they're like, okay, move this shelter. And it's like a little like test or something like how, how is this guy going to move it? You know, and you go to move it and it's just like, wow, that took two minutes. And then Daniel moves it or something. And it's 30 seconds. And it's like, whoa. So a lot of, a lot of time in motion. Um, butchering. Butchering chickens. Yeah. That was incredible. Um, just, just the technique that goes into that and just repeat, you know, um, yeah, those would be really interesting to see you guys, yeah. you guys do that. Because I know that um, I read the book Lean Farm. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I know that I need to work on that. And that's part when, as we're developing our other homestead, I'm trying to think about those things to make it more efficient because it definitely you walk and you walk and you walk and then you go back yeah. and forth. You waste so much time. I yeah. know I do here. Uh, yeah. doing things because because my tools aren't right there in the garden and and stuff like that yeah i mean yeah even even down to always always come loaded and always go loaded you know like two buckets all the time don't ever just carry one bucket of water carry two buckets even if you don't need it you're gonna need it there someday anyway so you just take it and leave it and it's okay. it's there and it's and it's easier to carry you know balance so it's actually funny when we con we for one summer after he apprenticed we contracted and so we how many broiler shelters did you have 24 24 broiler shelters um so it took both of us going out there and it was i mean how long did it take you like 30 minutes probably? to to move everything to move just the broilers just under yeah yeah so wow. like never have 24 broiler shelters. Yeah, knock on wood. We might. You really? Know. You never know. I never say never, right? Yeah, that's that's a lot of things. So it's you learned all those efficiencies for having that many shelters and it so you moved 24 broiler shelters in 30 minutes. Yeah. Some wow. I could, I could move move a shelter and be on to the next one in 45 seconds. That's hustling. That's so not feeding and that's watering. that's not feeding and watering. That's just moving everything. Right. So then I'd have to come back through. Lauren or would do that. Yeah, yeah. She was always assisting, so she'd be feeding and watering while I was moving, and it was it was a good team effort. So those, I think that is something a lot of homesteads, uh, including my own, especially my own, could um, could learn more from. I mean, reading the book. But actually re reading that book, Lean Farm, but actually seeing it done are, are two different things. And um, yeah, just that whole efficiency. With yeah. That. Yeah. There's there's this thing. I think they're still doing it. Um, it's called Polyface Intensive Discovery Seminar. And it's a few days, two or, th two or three days, I think. And I'm sure there's a wait list if they're still doing it. They just had their last one this season. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, but as as an apprentice and and as intern or or yeah, we got to sit in on that um, with with all the people that kind of came and showed up for that to attend. And you learn pretty much everything really fast. I mean, intensive discovery seminar. It's it's intense. Uh, they go over everything that they taught us in a matter of a couple of days. And it's like people you see the smoke coming off the notepad, you know. <laughs> And people right. are just writing stuff down, keep trying to keep up. But and you're there, so they you travel, they traveled right and walked yeah. in the fields. Yeah, yeah. But right down, I mean, right down to all the efficiencies. 
So the marketing people are, yeah, marketing, all that stuff. But that is a really good source or resource, I guess. If if anyone is interested in that. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. People can maybe get on the waiting line. Yeah. (laughs) There is one. Yeah. Now you guys, um, and then you talked about the leadership. How do you think that that, um, like, how does that roll over into homesteading that leadership? Um, just learning to understand, um, it wasn't so much being a, being a boss or anything, but learning to adapt and understand other people's needs and abilities. Um, well, Lauren, for instance, um, it was cool. Cause she, she got to come when I was an apprentice, uh, she got to, they just uh, let me come along for the ride. Yeah. Literally. So, so she was helping us one day and I'll never forget this. She was helping. It was me and Daniel and we were going to move some pigs. And I was, you know, of course, I was like, come on, Lauren, you got to do it this way. Come on, you know, move the pigs. It was listing the gators. Yeah. yeah, Just, just do it this way. And, and she was kind of struggling a little bit. Cause I didn't have the strength to lift the gate. Like I should have. Yeah. And, and Daniel was able to quickly observe and be like, Hey, Lauren, why don't you try it this way? And bam, you know, that was, it worked for her. Like just, just being able to recognize people's strengths and, and weaknesses. And, um, instead of like forcing someone into a box, because that's what we need to do. You think outside the box of like, how can we get this done in ways that are considering that person's strengths abilities yeah yeah. Um, that was huge um what else oh um we read it was like a little book club thing uh we read um extreme ownership by jocko willink he's a uh uh, retired navy seal um he's got a few books now too um but that was kind of i think the first one he he really broke into um that was that was a really good book and that yeah really turned me on to reading more about leadership so um yeah it was just yeah i can see how that leadership and not putting people inside the box would work really well once you have employees coming from different places or if you never have employees if you have children um Mm -hmm. because they're all just gifted differently and obviously they're going to be small enough that they probably can't do all the things sometimes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I think our relationship, both working yeah. out and trying to get things done and we both have different ideas and he's mainly leading us, but it has helped, I think, with his leadership towards me because I haven't grown up at all like this. Even yeah, I've, it was city living to country living was a whole new thing, not even farming. Right. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I can, I can understand that because I didn't grow up doing any of this either. And my husband did. And even though he did things differently than how we're doing them now, some of that stuff still crosses over and I'm still what just comes natural to him because it was how he grew up. Sometimes I'm like, what, what are you doing? I don't understand. And He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess I just didn't realize that I just know this. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can't give an exact, you know, thing, you know, but he's just, he's just really 
he's very good with animals and not that I'm not, but he just has all that experience, you know, and he's like, he just go, when we first got chickens, he would just go pick up the chicken. And I didn't know there was a special way to do it. And he did. And he's like, no, no, you got to do it like this. And I'm like, oh, there's a way I didn't even know there was a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys, um, anticipate that you're going to be, you, you said you have the sheep. Are you, that's kind of an experiment still. Do you guys anticipate adding other animals besides those? I said, you said you'd like to have cattle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. As soon as we get some, um, solid perimeter fencing up. We'll... Okay. So you're going to fence the whole outside before you do. Cattle. Yeah. Yeah. At least the pasture. At least, well, mm-hmm. at least this, I'd say that border our North side that borders a neighbor and the, road. the east side that borders the road. We'll get that solid fence okay, first. Yeah. And we'll you once once they're they're trained to, you know, a single strand electric wire, i I wouldn't feel um too worried about uh letting them graze with just that single strand, you know, in the back of the property or something. That wouldn't be fine. We we just have the the back of the property is a bunch of woods and stuff like that and it's a school property so yeah people don't really go okay. back yeah if cattle got out i could go back and go get them you know but i don't want them in the road and i don't want them right. in the yard so are you guys thinking meat meat cattle or are you thinking milk definitely beef i definitely. want a dairy cow really bad but <laughs> i'm told that it's gonna be my baby <laughs> so i have to be ready milk so if it. you want it you gotta whip milk it basically I, yeah. yeah but it'd be really nice to have really cool to have for our own consumption and right. eggs and yeah you guys have breed that you've picked out that you would like for those or you're still undecided probably lean towards a jersey yeah for the okay. day yeah. and what about the the beef uh beef cattle I, I know a guy, (laughs) um, up in Wisconsin, he's got really good grass fed genetics. Um, and they're, they're well adapted to colder climates, but it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's red Angus, but they've, they've been grass fed genetics for quite a while now. So adapted well to only eating grass and grazing and that kind of deal so yeah that's one thing you learned at polyface is what's that like grass-fed beef and i don't know <laughs> oh, <it's> okay <laughs> i've added them. well what do you when you say they've been adapted um i kind of know what you're saying just because i talk to people a lot not that i've ever raised any but what what do you mean when you say an animal has been adapted to um so the way that we prefer i mean the yeah. grass-fed so kind of an epigenetics thing. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes. Uh, just you start something and then just generationally they adapt to that environment better. Um okay. they they pick up that those traits from um the previous generation and they continually do better in that situation, I guess, or in that I mean climate. Yeah. Or, or yeah so like these are smaller framed redding just they're not huge because it's it's harder to maintain and grow a large animal obviously yes. so um yeah i just when i say i guess when i say grass-fed genetics something that 
that uh, does well on grass, maintains weight, puts on weight. And yeah, um, because um, so what you're saying is, is if you just went and bought a cow that had everything out for the previous generations, it had been fed more like most cows are fed now, which is a lot of grain, mm-hmm. maybe some hay that wouldn't adapt as well, maybe to what you want, which is you want hundred percent grass fed. So it might struggle a little bit more, but since it has for several generations yes. been on grass, those babies have kind of just genetically developed yeah. an ability to do better on just grass. Yes. That's yeah. kind of what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Now, what are you doing? Speaking of grass, so you're starting, has this place ever been farmed where you're at? Are you starting fresh? So yeah, we are pretty fresh. Um, it's, it's next to, so the reason, one of the main reasons we got it is because it borders my dad's property. So we're, we're next door neighbors with my dad. Um, and your aunt. And, yeah. And my aunt, um, they're very close by here. Um, but my dad has owned his property since 1976 or 77. And he does not remember this field that we bought ever being farmed. Okay. It has had hay taken off it maybe a few years here and there um, by, you know, neighboring people in the area. Um, But as for till it, well, up until the year we bought it, the year before we bought it, some guy decided he was just going to, he was, he knew the previous owner of the property and he decided to plow it all up and it's, it's, it's okay. But that's, that's, I guess that's the only time it's ever really been plowed that my dad even remembers in okay. 50 years. So, so we're starting are, pretty fresh. Okay. And, and so what are you doing? Especially, I, I find this interesting considering that you were at Joel's and he's the, he is the guru on improving pastures. So what are you doing to improve that pasture so that so, you can eventually put, or you already have animals on it, but for your animals? Yeah. So, um, we actually still have yet to take soil samples because I want to get a good baseline of where we're at and just someday be able to look back and say, wow, you know, yeah. this is, um, cause I'm, I mean, it's, it's going to improve just, just with the chickens and the sheep. It's already right. In- we've seen some serious grass growth and it's been it's really dramatic because it's kind of cruddy right now so when something comes back it's like whoa look at that um we spend uh, almost hours (laughs) out in the pasture looking from looking at the growth from as we move them and yeah well it's cool to see what green that comes back what kind of grasses there are what weeds are there and and then absent after certain animals have been there, um, whether they get eaten or fertility. Like I know when the chickens, um, when I move the broiler chickens over some spotted knapweed, um, when that grass starts to come back, that knapweed is gone. It just like, don't know where it went, but it's no longer needed. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's pretty neat to see that transformation happen. Um, I also scored some compost from a local dairy farm and it's been aging now for a year. It's probably pretty good. Um, as soon as I can get my hands on a spreader, I would love to spread that and and add some fertility that way. Um, 
Are you guys sewing any? No. Okay. I didn't nope, know. Haven't, and, and... I haven't done that at all. Just um, in the, the forest paddocks behind the pigs after they're done in an area, I'll just seed some like a diverse cover crop in there. Okay. That's cool. And, and I'm, has that been going well? Because are you guys getting, are you guys having a more dry summer kind of like we are? It, nah, it's, no, it, it started dry. It started okay. dry. We've had pretty good rain. We've had rain once a week. at least. So, oh, okay. So how yeah. is that going after that year? So you're moving the pigs through the woods and then you're cover cropping. I bet you that is starting to look so pretty. Yeah, it looks really good. And all I'm doing is just broadcasting too. I'm not, I'm not going in there with any equipment or anything. I'm just throwing seed and it takes root and away we go. Nice. Nice. But it looks, it looks really well. So when you talk, I spend a lot of time like walking through the woods and hiking through our pasture, what will hopefully be our pasture. And I'm still learning to like, the grasses seem so much harder for me to identify than say plants because they all look so similar. How have yeah. you learned to, to, to uh, identify the grasses and, and the weeds in your pasture when they all look yeah. to the rest of us about the same thing? So, so there are, uh, there are some obvious differences and then there's ones that aren't so obvious. Um, there's like bunch grasses, um, when they seed out, it's a lot easier to tell, you know, you can tell Johnson grass from Timothy really easily, um, or like rye grass or wheat grass or something. Those are pretty easy to tell when they seed out, but when they're, when they're, you know, in that, that tender growing stage, I mean, without getting, getting in and looking at ligules and, and all the little, the hairy stems and everything okay. and, and having a book next to you to tell you That's what, what I was wondering. Is there like yeah. a book or an app yeah. or are you going solely on experience at this point? Oh no, there's, there, if I want to go out in the field right now and, and really dig in, I'm going to need a book, but there are a few okay. species I can, I can point out. Okay. So, but. Is there a book that you prefer or no? Oh goodness. I've, I've when got it. Time. I put you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> um, well that, that, that brings up some good ones about weeds. Lauren just said like, there's a book on weeds. It's called when weeds talk. That's a really yeah, good one. Yeah. There's also another one. I actually screenshotted the other day. I That's have it. the one when weeds talk is the one where it basically is telling you that if this weed shows up, this is what's yeah, probably is, going on in the soil. Yeah. yeah. Those books are so helpful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Another book that um, or person that has really helped us, Parker, this was at the beginning of when we got started. Parker went to the small Michigan Small Farms Conference and he heard Richard Perkins talk. Um, Richard is from Sweden, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he has a farm in Sweden. He actually get, like talked about Joel Salatin, their friends and that's kind of how we got on the Joel train. <laughs> um, but Richard has lots of um, information out on YouTube and okay. that we would oh, yeah. highly recommend. Yeah, he's got some we awesome. were probably, we were probably a wandering around that conference. I, no, we really? were wandering around that conference together and we didn't even know it because I uh, went to that con. I went to the conference that he was at too. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That was yeah. a good yeah. one. It's, I found this other book. It's called Weeds, Guardians of the Soil. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Um, that was recommended to me by Ray Archuleta, who's also another very knowledgeable 
guru. Very cool. Because, I mean, it is kind of overwhelming when you listen to, you forget what you know. So, like, you listen to Joel talk or listening to you talk about um, the different grasses. Like, we forget that that we once knew nothing. And then we start talking and people are like, whoa, I don't even understand. Like, I don't even know what rye looks like versus wheat looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, because we just forget where we came from. You know, we forget that how much yeah. we've learned. And so that's why I was asking if you had books and recommendations so that people listening can maybe go and start to learn some of this. Because I know a lot of people are looking forward to having grass you know, grass-fed animals on their properties, even though a lot of our listeners have very small homesteads. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them have larger ones. Do you guys have any plans to have smaller animals other than chickens, like rabbits or anything? We have a lot of wild rabbits. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Same here. here. Um, Yeah. Um, Not at the moment, I don't think. Maybe once things get rolling and established well, I can broaden yeah. into those other, you know, areas. Oh, very cool. I am excited. You guys have, so you guys have an Instagram page. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any other social media pages or a website? <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a website. A website. Um, it's just our business name, homesteadprovisions.com. And we have a web or a Facebook page for that too. I actually just started that too for oh, the okay. so and it's just homestead provisions. <laughs> so very and cool. Instagram is called this homestead life. So yeah, that's right. It is called that. Yes. It's a little different. All with our last name. Don't forget the L. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's homestead, not homestead. Yeah. 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 Well, I will put the links for that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you guys would like to add that we didn't talk about? Mm. Mm. Not that I can think of. Unless you have any more questions. Can't think of anything. I'm trying to think of more (laughs) questions. Um, I I just think it's so cool that you got to to learn from Joel. And um, I'm sure that if somebody's interested in doing that, you would highly suggest that they fill out that paperwork and and try to get in there absolutely great experience i'm sure yep it was a wonderful experience so yeah that's super cool teaches you to be creative too with things um not not settling for one one way to do something it's like let's explore you know let's let's try this and if we fail we fail let's you know try a different thing forget who said if you're not failing at one thing at least once a year, you're not trying hard enough or something like that. Yeah. One of those guys. Yeah, well. failure is so important. And I think we forget that. I mean, we kind of, we don't teach it to people in society. We think of failure as a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And in homesteading, you're going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. many times. I mean, you're, you're, I had, so this year I had my, I have a complete failure with my green beans. And um, speaking of rabbits. my first crop of green beans got ate by deer. So I learned the lesson that I needed a fence. We haven't had deer in our yard in forever. So I thought, oh, I don't need a fence. Well, they discovered I planted a garden. So they (laughs) ate all of my, they ate all of my green beans. They ate the tops off of some of my tomatoes and they ate all of the beets. So I put the fence up 
And then the rabbits came in and ate my second planting of, mm-hmm. of green beans and beets. Oh. So yeah, you, you fail and it's okay. I just learned that I need to figure out a way to rabbit proof things somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So I would add one more thing. Okay. Um, I attended, this is another cool thing to go to. I attended something called the soil health Academy. Mm, yeah. And they have a website. They might even be under the name understanding ag. Um, they're kind of hand in hand, but that was, that was well worth it. I actually filled out okay. a little application to go and it was like, you write a little essay or something. And it was, it was like a scholarship. I got half of it paid for. So it awesome. was, really, um, and I don't think there's an age I don't think there's an age limit, maybe 40 or something on that, but, um, and that's less like polyface. You have to be committed to five months away from home, not working without your family. If you're uh, this was just a three or four this day course. Just, yeah. Yeah. And yeah instruction. Okay. And I learned a ton more well, than you learned in a semester of college. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, okay. So I did that while I was at MSU and I went back to MSU after that, uh, that weekend or yeah, whatever that was. And like I had ammo, you know, like <laughs> to argue with some of the professors and <laughs> it didn't get me very far. It got them mad at me, but other right. than that, it was, it was entertaining. Nonetheless, I was one of the oldest people in those classes. So all these younger kids were like, looking at me like, who is this guy? And why is he arguing? <laughs> like the wow. potato. Oh, the, tell the potato story. The, that yeah. Funny. One quick thing here, the potato thing. They, I don't want to throw them under the bus too much, but man, <laughs> the potato thing. Um, they were talking about how to keep fungus and disease and everything at bay in potato fields. And, and she, she said this herself, a professor, she said, well, the way we grow potatoes, we kind of create they they create their own little microclimate in rows like this really close together and gets really humid and it holds a lot of moisture and that creates fungus problems. And then that leads to disease problems. So we have to spray this and this and that. I raised my hand and she said, yes. I said, why are we we creating that that environment for them to get get disease and everything? She's like, well, that's the only way to grow potatoes. Okay, I'll leave it at that. Right. Yeah, it is. um, It's definitely a different paradigm from what. For sure. I guess not. Yeah. From what we're calling it traditional ag, even though it hasn't been around that long. Yeah, from what agriculture is doing now, it's definitely we've taken a different at least you and I and a lot of people that follow this podcast are taking a different approach mm-hmm. to gardening and, and trying a, to avoid all those chemicals. And on a mass scale, I mean people want to buy that stuff and go to McDonald's, that's fine. But yeah, as as for us, we're gonna choose to grow potatoes differently. <laughs> yes. And a homegrown that, potato tastes amazing. Oh yes. man, that French fry. Yeah. Instead of fight, fighting battles with nature that we created, we want to work with nature. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Create that. Re- yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I couldn't say it better. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. And I can't wait to see you guys again because we're friends outside of the podcast. And I'm glad it finally worked out for us to be for. For me to interview you because I think you're doing some really cool stuff. 
So I will put your all of your information in the show notes. And with that, I think that we will end the podcast and I will tell everybody to grow where you're planted. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee, my world I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a modern homestead. We do here every day Snapping beans like Grandma did Sitting on her front porch Hunting and fishing like a kid Once you've done all of your chores It's a modern Today